TCU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is a Wednesday, October 18th edition of the show. We've got a fun hour ahead for you. We, of course, we'll have our usual Wednesday sit-down with Bobby Harward, our football analyst here on Hoist the Colors. He joins us every Wednesday. We talk about everything from ECU football to college football to NFL. Maybe we'll talk some Major League Baseball playoffs as well with Bobby. Uh, He will be joining us here shortly. We're also going to be talking some cross-country because the ECU Pirates are hosting the American Athletic Conference Cross-Country Championships for the first time since 2015. We'll be joined shortly by Billy Caldwell, the cross-country head coach, here in a couple of minutes. So looking forward to that as well. We are live on YouTube, live on Facebook. If you got a question for us, let us know. We'll get to it throughout the next hour and uh, looking forward to our talk about football and uh, we'll also discuss a lot of things around sports happening right now across the country all right let's get to our first guest he's already joined us philip pilkinson our producer has hooked him up we've got billy caldwell the cross-country head coach at ecu first billy before we get into some cross-country i heard from somebody aka philip that you're you're fantasy football management days uh, are not off to such a good start right now so i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to toss it to Philip for that uh, to start us off to get this thing started on a lighter note. Billy, why did you draft uh, Kenny Pickett in the first round in our fantasy football league? Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett. I, I'm a pick guy, so I, ha- I had to I had to go with that. So, yeah. I, I respect it. He's got a lot of loyalty to his team. Most fans would not do that. So, I respect it. It's a, it's a t- hey, when you draft Kenny Pickett first round, uh, you're taking a big gamble, Billy. But uh, at least uh, at least maybe you can admit your mistake now. I don't know. But uh, hey, you're, you're focused yeah. more on cross country. And yeah, you guys yeah, very much so. You guys have a great opportunity this weekend hosting the cross country tramp- championships. Mm-hmm in Greenville for the first time since 2015 at Overton's Lake Christie. So a lot of excitement, I'm sure, around the program right now. Just take us through what you guys are feeling as you sit a few days away from that Saturday meet. Yeah, no, things are things are going well. I know, uh, you know, obviously the group is uh, excited to, to be able to race at home. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a really big, you know, privilege for us to be able to, to race at that home course, um, you know, you know, obviously, thank you to Parker for for allowing us to use his property. I know he's done a ton of work out there to make sure, um, you know, it's ready to go and ready to go at a, a really high high level um, to be able to host a really good championship here. Um, not this Saturday, but but next Saturday. Um, you know, which is which is a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, no, we're really excited to be able to host and you know be able to run in, in front of Pirate Nation and. You know, obviously our home crowd um, out there um, next week. Yeah, Saturday, October twenty eighth, uh, nine a.m. That'll be the, uh, the the date for Overton's Lake Christie yeah. for the conference championship. So when you got the news that was announced in June, you know, kind of what were the emotions like? Did you expect it at all? Or did you kind of know it was coming from the conference, or was that something that was a surprise? Yeah, no. I mean, we we had an idea. Um, so we found out probably November, um, you know, late November, early December of last year, um, you know, that that we were we're going to host. And obviously, you know, they came out and announced 
um, to the public in, in June. Um, but, um, no, I mean, when we first found out, I was, I was fired up, right. You know, I, I love, um, you know, I love that course, you know, we've been out there, obviously this is my second year here at ECU and, um, you know, obviously that it's a beautiful course. It's a beautiful piece of property. And, um, you know, the thing I was most excited about is, you know, being at home and, and being around, um, you know, these pirate fans, it's, it's awesome. Right. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I came here and, and took this job is, you know, the support from the community and the support from, um, you know, just, just this area is, is awesome. Being in a college town, um, you know, is, is really, really cool in the sense that, man, people care, um, a lot about ECU and, and not just, um, you know, football, basketball, baseball, but they want all the sports to do well. And, um, that's including cross country. And, you know, we feel that, um, you know, I want, you know, our, our student athletes feel that and, and it, you know, really helps us. And, and when the, obviously when the gun goes off, um, to have that, that passion behind us and, um, you know, that support from the community is something that, um, you know, I get really fired up about. And, um, so yeah, when I found out, I was really excited to, you know, be able to have it at home and, you know, try to have, um, you know, the support from the community out there is the biggest thing for me. So, again, October 28th, 9 a.m., that'll be a couple Saturdays from now. Uh, ECU football will be on the road at UTSA. That's a 3.30 mm-hmm. kickoff, so it'll be a, an opportunity for for local fans to attend. So if you could explain how they go about attending, is there any cost, or do you just show up, and how long yeah. can they expect the, the meet to last? Yeah, so, you know, yeah, there is, it's free of cost um, to, to go and watch. It's um, like I, like you said, out at, at Parker's uh, Parker uh, Overton's Lake Christie, which is you know a short 15 minute drive from from campus. Um, so yeah, so the men will race at the the gun goes off at 9:15 for the men, and then 10 o'clock for the women. Um, you know, so yeah, you can come out. Obviously, you know we'll have the course maps posted on our website, so um, people can have an idea. But it, the course is an it's an awesome course that we designed that you know, loops back on itself a couple of times. So even if you stay in one place, you can see them come by, you know, four or five, six times, um, depending on, on the men or the women, um, and, and be able to watch if that makes sense. So yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful property and, um, you know, we're lucky to be able to host. So it says it's situated on approximately 300 acres of land. The course yeah. is, and pre- yeah. seems like a pretty wide open course. Obviously there can be, yeah. you know, some, some courses that are, uh, you, you have more trees or, or, you know, it's not as yeah. visible. Uh, so, so take us through kind of if you're running this course or you feel like it's a good setup as far as, you know, visibility and, and, and for your runners as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for our, you know, visibility wise, man, it's super open out there. Um, you know, the, the course is set up in a way that, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's open, it's, you know, fast, right. The footing out there is perfect. And, you know, allows us to, to run at a really high level. And, um, you know, like I said, it kind of loops back on itself a couple of times. And, um, so you're able to see, you know, from, from a student athlete perspective, you know, running through, you know, big groups of fans is, you know, brings energy and brings some excitement, um, you know, while you're out there racing. I know, you know, you feel like you're locked into a race, but you can definitely feel the energy coming from, from the crowd and the fans and, um, which is awesome. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the footing is great. It's a, you know, beautiful course and yeah. You had your, your first win as a head coach as far as the women yeah. finishing in first place at the Pirate Invitational this past Saturday. So, Billy, that had to be exciting for you, the men coming in fourth, and, and that was also at Overton's Lake Christie. So kind of a, 
a good opportunity there for for your uh, your men and women to run the course before the championship. But how proud of you, were you of the uh, performance this past week? Yeah, no, we were really excited about about our performance. Um, you know, obviously coming away with the win on the women's side, um, you know, was was a really cool experience. I know our women were really really fired up about that. Um, you know, they've been working really hard. Um, you know, since you know we we kind of left. Once we left campus in May last year and, you know, over the summer, they worked really, really hard and, you know, came back in a really good place fitness wise. And, um, you know, just exciting, you know, just to, to be able to go compete, right? You know, that's something we talk about a lot, you know, you know, let the times take care of themselves, let the results take care of themselves. Can we can just go out and compete and put ourselves in positions to have success? Um, you know, that's the thing that we talk about more so than, than anything within our group. Um, and to see the women come away with the win is, is awesome. And, you know, I think gives us some, a lot of really, really awesome momentum going into, into the championship. Um, you know, obviously using our home meet as a, you know, dry run in terms of, Hey, this is how the course is going to run. This is what, um, you know, how things are going to play out in terms of the race. Um, and, and how we need to operate. And so, yeah, I mean, it just gave us an opportunity to, to be a little bit more prepared and understand how that race is going to go, um, obviously next weekend. Um, you know, the men obviously ran really well as well. Um, you know, Alex Sawyer led our men, um, to, with a, with a, you know, great finish. He ran the third fastest, um, 8K in school history, um, you know, last week. And, um, so I think that sets him up well. And, you know, I think we have a couple of athletes that, um, you know, are really fighting to, to be all conference and put themselves in position to, to be a low stick for us um, within the scoring and, and allow us to, to compete really well. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, it was a really awesome weekend for us and, you know, went really smoothly. And, um, you know, from an operations perspective, um, you know, the administration has been, you know, so, um, you know, so, so involved and, you know, had, you know, obviously has taken a lot um, for me, and I just want to thank them for for everything that they've done for us. Um, one, just allowing us to get the championship to to Greenville, but you know, from a support perspective, they've you know Mike Hanley and John Gilbert, and you know all of those guys have done a great job in, in in allowing us to to put on a great event and um, you know do, do a great job, if that makes sense. So yeah, absolutely. So we're visiting with Billy Caldwell, second year cross-country head coach, also an assistant coach for track and field as well. And mm-hmm. uh, Billy, I want to ask you, you got in pretty late as the head coach last year. I think it hired in August. The season starts in September. Yeah. So, like, that had to be a whirlwind for you. And how much do you feel like you kind of learned from last year and, and kind of were able to take that and, and apply it to this year, help your team grow going into year two? Yeah, and you say last year was a whirlwind. Uh, yeah, that is – very much the case. I, so I moved into to my apartment the same day our athletes moved into the dorm. So, you know, it was a really quick transition getting down here and, and getting started. And, you know, last year was, you know, a big learning experience for, for myself as well as the team, right? Getting to know me, getting to know, you know, the system that, that we want to run and what we want to operate um, kind of moving forward. And, you know, it was a learning experience for myself as well, you know, getting to know the student athletes, getting to know, you know, what they need in, in terms of, from a you know training perspective as well as a support perspective as a coach, um, you know has been you know a, a challenge, right? Not a challenge, but a, a learning experience for for everyone. Um, you know, last year and you know cross country last year, you know said was you know a little bit of a whirlwind, like just trying to get to know the the area. Where do we train? Where do we go? Um, you know, what's the process here at ECU? And you know, I think you know our results in the the spring 
you know, really showed kind of that transition really well. Um, you know, we, on the, on the distance side, um, you know, within the, that distance group between the men and the women, we had 47 PRs, um, you know, 27 top 10 performances in school history. You know, Alyssa Zach broke the school record in the 10K. So, you know, a lot of really big improvements within our, our group competitively, um, you know, and putting ourselves in positions to score points at the conference was, was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, coming into this year, I think it, you know, everyone, hey, they understand the, the expectations. They understand, you know, what, what our goals are, what, you know, what we want to do, you know, and, and what the program that we want to build here moving forward is and, you know, allows us to, you know, you know, I don't want to say have some calm because there's always some, some stress and anxiety trying to build the program and, um, you know, getting ready to race, but, you know, have some more, have an actual plan in place for, hey, this is how we need to do things. And, you know, this is what the training looks like. This is what, you know, you know, the team is going to look like and, you know, everyone can be on the same page and, and really bought into to what the, the process is, um, if that makes sense. And, you know, definitely uh, has allowed us to, who you know, have a lot more success and put ourselves in positions to be a little bit more competitive than we were um, last year. And I think you can see that in our results. And, you know, if you look, um, just the, the progression that we've had. If you look back at meets that we've been at before, um, you know, last year we were at Elon early in the year, um, you know, and we went to Elon again this year um, early in the season. And, you know, just the progression that we have, and, and not just within the times, but, you know, how people attack the race from a competitive standpoint and, you know, just being engaged from, from the time that it goes off to the time they cross the finish line. And, you know, those are the things that I look for as a coach more so than, than the performances is, Hey, how are we competing? You know, and let's just go compete. And, you know, this, you know, this is a pretty simple sport at the end of the day. Let's, you know, right. We try to simplify things and, you know, Hey, let's go back to the, the playground and, you know, say, Hey, I'm going to beat you to that tree. Right. And, it's a simple sport at the end of the day. And so we try to, to simplify it and, and have fun in that process of just going to compete and, you know, giving ourselves the best opportunity to, to have success. Um, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Last thing for you, Billy, Billy Caldwell is with us, ECU head cross country coach. Again, the American championships coming up Saturday, October mm-hmm. 28th, 9am will be the start time. Get out there for that. And uh, so as you look at the, the league, the American and cross country, do you, you know, is there, is there kind of like a, a favorite going in? I, I don't know if that's if that makes sense, but you know, is there a program that's kind of set the standard in the American and past meets that is kind of what you guys are trying to catch and achieve to, to win that championship on the twenty eighth? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really really awesome teams in the conference, and um, you know, we're we're lucky where where there's going to be there is some nationally ranked teams with within the American conference, and you know, but it's a conference I feel like we can put ourselves in a position to be competitive pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're taking steps to do that this year and, and close the gap with some of those teams um, up front, right? And so, you know, our like I said, at the end of the day, our goal is just to put ourselves in the race and, and compete as hard as we can um, from start to finish. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are some really good teams, but, you know, there's teams that, you know, I feel like we can, can go put ourselves in the mix with. And, you know, and, and try to try to go beat some people, if that makes sense. He is Billy Caldwell. Billy, best of luck. October 28th at Overton's Lake Christie. We appreciate the time, and uh, yeah. we'll have you on again in the future. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. That's Billy Caldwell, head coach for ECU Cross Country. Again, American Championships at Overton's Lake Christie, free to attend. So get out there, support the Pirates, both the men and women 
I think you said the men run at 9.15, the women uh, around 10. So check that out. Right in your backyard, Greenville, North Carolina, Overton's Lake Christie on October 28th. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll have Bobby Harwood join us in studio. We'll talk ECU Charlotte. We'll talk Biff Pogie, Charlotte head coach, apparently going to make a stop at Subdog. So we'll discuss that as well. On the other side, and a whole lot more with Bobby. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome back into the show on this Wednesday, October 18th edition of Voice the Colors. Want to give a quick shout out before we get to Bobby Harward and dive into some football to the ECU volleyball team. They've got a big matchup coming up with the Memphis Tigers, and really it's one of those double matchups for Memphis is in town for back-to-back days. Thursday, volleyball will host Memphis at 6 o'clock, and then Friday it'll be a 1 o'clock matchup as well. Those are both inside Minji's Coliseums. Thursday at 6 is the Painted Gold game. ECU has won four in a row in conference play. They beat Tulane, North Texas, and then swept Temple at Temple. Adler Augustine's club is now 16-4 and overall. Best start in program history, 7-2 and in conference play and on a four-game winning streak. So again, the volleyball team in action October 19th, October 20th, and the coming days, tomorrow and Friday, 6 o'clock Thursday, 1 o'clock, as really they're in the mix for a conference championship and are doing great things under Adler Augustine. So we talk cross-country and volleyball, and we welcome in Bobby Harwood now. Bobby, uh, what's your what's your insight on volleyball cross-country? But how about these Pirates, man? There's I know. A lot of success That's, going on. And especially in women's sports, ECU yeah. and Memphis. Uh, that's, I know they had a big soccer match last week that the girls fell a little bit short, but uh, they're having an awesome volleyball season. I, I, I know that much. Um, yeah. They're, they're kind of up there in, the, like you said, the conference championship and have a chance. Man, I just, I just looked on TV to see how your your Biff Pogie impersonation comes across. I think it looks great. Oh, I appreciate it. I uh, I kept my hoist the color shirt <laughs> yeah. for you to represent. I didn't go all the way and cut off the sleeves because I value this shirt. Right. So I just rolled them up. But I did want to represent, you know, with the little rivalry this weekend, State. And then, I, as I told you before, my sister uh, will be in town and is a UNC Charlotte alum. So we'll be going to the game together. Um, on Saturday. Hey, so do nice you have any robbery? Do y'all have any bets placed? Because my sister and I are trying to think of a bet because she goes to Charlotte for this game. Do you guys got any bets that you can say on air? Oh, that's a good one. I'm terrified. Come up with something. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. We both need to come. With, I'll text you if I come with anything good. You did the same for me. I mean, because I feel like this game, if if we discussed it, if it was going to be a robbery on yesterday's show, Bobby. But there's got to be some stakes to it. If if because right now the teams aren't very good. Right. So, uh, like, I don't think the actual on-field game, while, of course, there will be a winner and loser, is going to be, like, this major deal. So it's it's one of those things you almost have to know somebody, like in you guys' case. I don't really know anybody with ties to, to the university or UNC Charlotte, whatever the official term is now. But uh, y'all have to come up with a bet just to make it interesting, even, oh, if, even sure. if it's scary, just to have something riding on it. Oh, no doubt. And it, it, with the rivalry, it's going to take some time for sure, especially, you know, develop any kind of hostility there. Uh, maybe we'll have some, uh, you know, brawls or something break out exciting right. to uh, quickly get to that uh, rivalry format or standpoint uh, with Charlotte. But, 
Yeah, that's a good idea, Philip. I haven't thought of that up, up to this point. Maybe we, I'll text her and see if she comes up with something. She's in marketing, so she's pretty creative. There you go. We'll come up with something, and we'll, we'll keep you updated as the week moves on. All right, Bobby, today is brought to us by Subdogs. Check them out, 213 East 5th Street. You guys know the location. Downtown Greenville, we got Subdogs Live coming up on Thursday. Uh, tomorrow, so we'll be doing that on October 19th, 5 to 6 p.m. live from Subdogs. Myself and Macy O'Donnell will be there hosting. Don't know the student athletes yet, but we'll get them on and send out a list through the ECU Sports Network in the coming days. And it sounds like Charlotte head coach Biff Pogi will also be making an appearance at Subdogs. I believe we have that cut ready to play, Phillip. So here's Biff Pogi. Speaking at Tuesday's press conference about uh, sup dogs, and he's also got a few other stops uh, on his plans for Greenville. There is a hot dog place there, though, that I that I I just got a text about that I. There's a place called the Sup Dogs. Anybody know that? Anybody been there? I'm um, do, been there. Is it worth going to? What? I'm doing a hot dog review there. So, well, I'm going. So, uh, so we're going to, actually, we're going to do that and then we're going to go visit, um, there's a, there's a facility that, uh, works specifically with autistic children and I'm going to swing by there, uh, with a player or two too while we're in Greenville. All right, so there's Biff Pogi. First off, a uh, major shout-out for uh, going to the visit. The uh, I, I assume they're going to the Aces for Autism location, and uh, Kyle Robinson does great stuff with that, former ECU director of Ops. So a uh, major shout-out to Biff for that. That'll be awesome. Um, and also going to Subdog. So he's going to – look, I mean, you, you don't really hear of opposing coaches going on these road trips and, like, doing stuff before a game. And I assume he's going to do this Friday before the Saturday game. It's not like he's going to wake up on game day morning and go to Subdogs. But still, pretty cool that he's going to make that trip out to Subdogs. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I'm also curious, you know, how early are they getting here on Friday? Because right. normally when we would arrive at a place traveling on Friday, and I think it's the same way now, it's a pretty jam-packed schedule. So you don't – I don't know if they're doing a movie or something. I know most teams normally do a movie. But it is pretty neat, A, that Subdogs gets a shout-out. And like you said, the Aces for Autism – I think they have Tim Tebow coming to Greenville, oh, yeah. right? Yep. So yeah. really good things happening there. Uh, Brian Overton, who I formerly worked with on staff and is now at Arkansas, did a lot of things with that as well. And like you said, Kyle Robinson's doing a great job there. So uh, really cool of Biff. Um, I know I'm joking around with the, the short sleeve cutoffs, but uh, that, that is really a, a cool thing by him. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you almost have to embrace the uh, his persona, like – in. You know, he he said, look, he, he, at the media day, he was like, they picked us last. We're going to remember that, uh, et cetera. And, you know, to be honest, they're in last right now with ECU. So, right. I mean, like, <laughs> to a degree, uh, I guess the media kind of knew what they were talking about. They had ECU, I think, pick fifth or sixth. So that hasn't worked out yet. But uh, we'll get into the matchup a little bit on the field here. But Biff is – I wrote in my article today quoting this that basically – Outside of Deion Sanders, like he's probably the most entertaining first-year coach at a new location. I mean, I can't think of anybody else. Well, he's a self-made billionaire for right. a reason. He knows how to draw attention. Uh, you got to think 
that Charlotte program is so new, and really there's just not much attention that's shown on that program. So he's doing everything possible. We're sitting uh, here talking about it. Right, exactly. Uh, You're wearing his, his I'm shirt. wearing his cut-off sleeve. Pat McAfee has talked about him on yeah. the Pat McAfee show. So, yeah, there's just uh, kudos to him. He is, uh, you know, everybody's laughing about it and stuff, but they're at least talking about UNC Charlotte, which is a big deal. Uh, Grant Matthews in the chat. He says, Bobby's got the guns out. And Brittany Harward, your wife, says My lovely gun show. wife. Thanks, babe. So the gun show is here. Uh, maybe we'll see some Marlin gun this weekend. Uh, he, he, he looked good at times this past weekend against SMU, Bobby. But still, man, just not enough offense from East Carolina. And we've talked about it at length now. Six games in. You kind of are what you are offensively. We hope we would see some changes out of the bye. You know, we did see some different formations. We saw more motion. We saw more two-back sets. But the results were unfortunately the same. So what, what did you kind of make of the SMU game? As we're, we're almost a week past it now, but what did you make of that? Disappointing from the standpoint of how long we were in that game until the very end. And it's kind of another one of those. I feel like we're on repeat every week um, in the sense that, you know, we're close. We're there. The defense is doing an incredible job. By the way, Siobhan Revel, excellent game, dude. You played, to me, in my opinion, you were the the best player on the field wearing black on, on Thursday night. So kudos to you. Uh, offensively, I know I mentioned to you we saw some motion and stuff like yeah. that, but they never handed the they ball didn't off. Utilize it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it does create some misdirection, but when you go to that well so many times doing the same thing over and over again, you're not going to get the flow that you want when you don't at least threaten them by handing the ball off to the motion guy at least once. I think I'd mentioned it to you. I mentioned it to the people I was sitting around. If they just hand it one time, I guarantee you they're going to pick up five to six yards the next time they motion and hand it to the running back because you're going to get the flow from the linebackers to open up that gap. And I think the first time they ran the jet motion and handed it to the back, they got a decent surge because the linebacker held or had to you know maintain discipline on the, the sweep runner. But like you said, like each time they ran it, consecutively after that it got less and less effective because at that point SMU was like all right they're not going to hand it and it's the opposite of what we've seen when they had run motion like once a game it was always a jet sweep handoff so it's just like I don't know the the offense right now at times just makes you kind of scratch your head and I'm going to ask Donnie today I mean I feel like it's a fair question six six games in I have to figure out how I'm going to phrase it but you know we knew there would be a step back given what was lost, but like, how did it reach this point? And I got to figure out how I'm going to phrase it to Donnie because I don't want to make it seem disrespectful, but like, how was the offense right now just not able to score really at all? Uh, I mean, they're scoring one touchdown a game on average against FBS competition. So like, you know, what could have been done differently to reach, avoid reaching this point or what led to this point? Was it just a perfect storm? Um, so that we'll see what he says to that. We, we talked to the coordinators tonight after uh, practice but it's just you can't win games scoring 10 12 points a game no you i mean what were what was your stat that were what 11.9 11 points point we're not even points. two touch yeah. two touchdowns a game uh in a way to answer your question he's not going to say this but uh, what's got us to this point is what's happened in those meeting rooms the last two to three years and when i say meeting rooms the recruiting meeting yeah. rooms of what their decisions have been in terms of offering guys and not offering guys and even back into December deciding not to go with a portal quarterback. Um, I think we're now reaping that, and I guarantee right. you they regret it. 
Um, I'll be honest, too. I questioned Mike Houston after the Thursday game because there was two situations with the the long pass on the SMU sideline early on yeah. that should have been an incomplete pass if he challenges it, at least calls the timeout and lets his guys look at it. The other one was the Alex Flynn fumble because all we were doing was just trotting around, not getting lined up rather than running a play to at least, you know, secure possession and ensure we, yeah. you know, it doesn't get reviewed. And so those were two things I was scratching my head about because I was just like, man, like those are both well, costly. Especially the Flynn fumble because at that point it was 14 10. He had just ran for a first. Now you did have some momentum, but the SMU guys got up and they were all adamant they had the ball. Now, Mike Houston was asked about it at yesterday's press conference. He said that the refs aren't going to let you snap it. Um, so well, let's play that cut real quick. And this is Mike Houston's response to it. I don't know if uh, if you know if they would have snapped it. My thing was SMU did rush to the line and they got it off. And there was a replay that showed it was questionable. So they almost snapped it before the replay guy could even look at it, or maybe they weren't doing the job. So here's Coach Houston's response to that, and uh, we'll continue to discuss that after this. Yeah, they're not going to let us. They will not let you snap that ball. We were trying to get there pretty quick. Uh, we've been huddling the whole night, so the guys, of course, went to the huddle, as they always had done during that night, and that was part of our game plan. So uh, you know, everybody on the headset had urgency. Uh, the kids got up there pretty quick, uh, but they're not going to let you snap that ball. And if you watch college football uh, across the country, and you've seen it several times with our games, they're going to wait until you get right up there and you get ready to snap it. And they'll probably even let the ball get snapped, but they're going to buzz it. And uh, and that's what. All right, there's uh, Coach Houston explaining it. So I mean, maybe they would have buzzed it down. And I, I really do get tired of. They snap the ball, and then after the ball is snapped, they'll buzz it down and blow it dead. So, look, I'm sure there's a process to it. And and Coach Houston went on to talk about how there's other instances where if ECU doesn't – basically, if ECU is waiting for a challenge, he's on the sideline saying, hey, are you, you looking at this? Are you looking at this? And the ref will say, our guy's looking at it. If, he, if he's uncertain, he'll buzz down, and he won't let the other team snap it. So – that's what you know he sees and hears on on the sidelines. So I don't know, but it was a, it was a big play in the game either way. Yeah, both of them were. I think that led to that first touchdown, SMU touchdown. Yeah. So yeah, again, to your point, we're not there. So maybe that is not fair to say, but it is raising some questions. Um, you know, yeah, it's just I don't know. One of them is okay and it happens, but to have two like that in the same game and both of them being so costly. Um, that just raised my eyebrows for me. To me, I think it you have to implement at least, all right, we may have fumbled, let's call Eagle or whatever, and just get on the ball and right. snap it in 10 seconds, not 30 seconds, which is, you know, they were trying to get lined up and do some things. And by then, whether they blow it dead or not, try and make them not have the chance to replay it, I guess, is what we're trying to say. Right, exactly, because either you are able to hand the ball off and get one to two yards, or they do blow it down, but you gave everything that you had. Right. I mean, even if it's a wash play, it's coming back because, you know, they blow it dead. So, yeah, at least give yourself a chance <laughs> and don't put it in the officials' hands. Uh, Robert says he feels like he sees more creative routes con- route concepts in other college football games. And... um 
he says SMU coach said he told the ref he wanted a timeout if Flim Fumble was not reviewed. So I guess they were going to call a timeout either way. Which goes back to my point with... And they, you make them burn a timeout. Right. Yeah. You make them burn a timeout, but even at the very beginning of the game, that first one we were talking about, you that pass, you can call a timeout yeah. yourself. So why did that not occur? Um I don't know. I mean, I know there's replays that going that are going on up in the booth. Right. When I was on staff, you know, one of my responsibilities was watching that replay. I will be honest. I don't know if it has changed or not, but ECU was not the quickest to put up the replays on the television yeah. board in the press box either. So has that changed? I don't know. But that, that was something we always dealt with at home is the delay in the replay getting put up in the press box. All right, let's get our second break in. We will come back. We'll talk a little bit more about Charlotte, also look around the American college football in general, answer any more questions you have on Hoist the Colors. We'll be right back. This is ECU head football coach Mike Houston, and you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. All right, well, let's, well welcome back into the show. Bobby and I talking about the last time ECU was ranked Tulane back in the polls. As uh, the Green Wave keep it rolling under Willie Fritz, we'll get into the American here re- here shortly. Uh, let's let's take a brief look. I don't want to dive super in depth into this Charlotte ECU matchup because I think fans are more worried about the big picture, uh, what things will happen uh, if ECU loses this game, which we got a question about that. But uh, I don't expect a lot of points to be scored, Bobby. Uh, how about you? No. And uh, what is the over under forty one and a half? Forty one and a half, which Yikes. is extremely low for a college game. Like people are asking me, how is it? How is it that high? Which I understand, but also like at the end of the day, it's not that hard to score touchdowns in college football. It's just Charlotte needs to make it very hard. Exactly. Right I mean, you you think about that. That's you know roughly twenty one points. Per team yeah. to get over that over under, which is not a lot, because uh, you're right. If you look at a score in college football and you see, you know, twenty to twenty-seven, that's, that's kind of oddly enough a little low scoring. That's that why I think the biggest takeaway from this game or what's going to any big turnovers really because both teams struggle to move the ball. So if you can defensively create a short uh, field position for the offense, I think that's going to be the change, uh, the game changer. Oddly enough. Uh, Charlotte gave up two 60-yard plays um, in the second half to lose 14 nothing to Navy. ECU has not had an offensive play over 60 yards, so something's got to give. And still waiting for a receiver to catch a touchdown. That's unbelievable. Six games in. I mean, how many games did y'all have under Ruff where y'all had, like, a receiver catch two touchdowns and a half? Davon Grayson caught three in his first ever college football game. Like, that's just unbelievable. Um, Chase Sowell's got to find the end zone at some point. I feel like this this could be the week. And uh, I just got to say, man, your hat and, and shirt combo look great. Oh, I appreciate I, it. I mean, you, you're looking sharp today. I'm just in a regular old gray polo. Shout should, out to Dowdy Student Stores for the hat. Yeah, uh, man. Well. Yeah. That thing is sweet. Uh, I might have to go buy that just so I can rock it. Check it out, YouTube, Facebook. Leave a comment. Speaking of comments, uh, Michael Jones, uh, old friend, uh, Wants to know how toxic do things get if we find a way to lose to this bad Charlotte team? I mean, it's pretty bad right now as far as the fan base. I can't even hardly read Hoist the Colors, the message boards right now, Bobby, because they're mad at me. I'm mad at them. Um, everybody's mad at each other. Nobody likes to lose. Everyone's frustrated. They don't like what Mike Houston's saying in press conferences. I understand it. 
I, my argument is I don't think anybody's going to like what he's saying unless the team wins games, not just beats Charlotte, but wins games. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I think losing to Charlotte would be rock bottom, just given the fact. I'm not saying Charlotte's a bad team. I think they actually have talent. Biff Pogey went out and he bought some players through NIL. They haven't meshed well together yet. But from the optics standpoint, losing to a team that has never played ECU, to a team that hasn't played football very long at home, on homecoming, it would it would get really bad. I saw that comment and I was thinking to myself, how how much worse could it get? Because right now it's you, pretty bad. You're you're catching strays. I've seen I mean, that. Um, I can't even read my own board right now. I'm just um, and, and fans are right rightfully yeah, upset. I get it. I think what will occur is there will be just a bunch of angry pirates that for 24 hours, and then I think people don't care the rest of the season. Right. I think it's at that point, if they lose this, it is pretty obvious to everyone the season is lost, and I think you just see a lot of people paying attention to other teams. Basketball. Yeah, basketball. Volleyball. Let's go. Cross country. Soccer. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, all, all the other pirate events that are, I mean, that's the thing. Thinking on my way over here, listening to you talk to the cross. Every other program right now within with that athletic department is doing pretty good, yeah. Or at least up and coming. And right now, football is not. And unfortunately, that's the the revenue generator for the university. Yeah, it's just unfortunately, for whatever reason, ECU just can't score. I mean, they, and the other thing too is they fix defense and special teams. ECU made a forty nine yard field goal, but. You know, that could have been good last year. Now they can't score touchdowns. So I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. But maybe they go out and win 30 to 3 this weekend and make people feel a little bit better, uh, going, going forward. Um, and that's, just, that's yeah. my thing. Sorry to cut you. Yeah. Um, no, you're good, man. That's my thing too. Even if we go out and win, win 30 to 3, I mean, are people still super excited Probably about not, the rest no. of the year? And that's why I think it's at that point of not caring. Cause I mean, if, even if we do win like that, I mean, we, we got excited after Gardner Webb winning forty four nothing against an FCS school, and we saw what happened after. Yeah, it was so. just you weren't able to sustain it. So to me, you have to. I, I don't know. I mean, does winning against Charlotte, and this is a conversation we have if they beat Charlotte, and then maybe finding a way to steal UTSA or Tulane, does that get people somewhat back on board? Because I feel like people are just pretty much all the way off of this season right now. I agree, and exp- the other thing too is the quarterback. And I'm sure you've right. talked about this at nauseum is, in my opinion, you have to go with Mason Garcia. I, I've seen enough, and I, I, here's my reason behind it. I, I've seen enough of Alex Flynn, in my opinion, right now to know he's about at his ceiling with especially the shoulder sprain. Mason at least gives you the opportunity to hit the big play and create something offensively. Right. And we just want to see him throw the ball down the field, too. Let it <laughs> loose, Mason. And And that's the thing. If they can just say, hey – you are the guy for 60 minutes, cut it loose, and don't worry about mistakes, don't worry about all that. Just go cut it loose for 60 minutes. This is the game remaining on the schedule to do that, in my opinion. Bobby, I noticed like early in the season when Mason would make a mistake, interception, for example, his next throw was always abysmal. Did you see a new Mason Garcia this week? Because you obviously know more than me, but I thought he looked a lot more just confident in himself. And it's like if a quarterback's got zero confidence, he stands no chance to ever be successful. I think he's got the confidence back, or at least somewhat. I, I, I think he looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket, for sure. I mean, there was a few times you saw him step up into the pocket, 
kind of shuffle around that tackle that's washing the defender upfield and step into his throw. And that that's what excites me. That shows me he's getting a little bit more comfortable. Now you do have the concern because he he then goes and short hops another throw right after that. But for the most part, his comfortability, he looked a lot more relaxed in the pocket. He seemed a lot more confident with what he was doing. And you saw more consistently accurate, uh, catchable throws. Seth Royster on Facebook says he just showed up to the Bobby Harvard gun show. Yeah, I've listened on radio. Uh, Bobby's got his hoist the colors, cut off sleeve in honor of Biff Pogi, who is going to make an appearance at Sup Dogs, by the way. So, uh, we'll see. And I think too, it's with Mason, at least you, you know too that he's got two years of eligibility left. So look, we've talked about if the season goes completely off the rails and it seems to be heading that path to a degree, then if you can at least find out if Mason's potentially the guy. Or Nov by by the end of the year, by for sure, if he is or not. We've talked about that a lot. That's at least a silver line. And if he turns out to be the guy, that's obviously a major question mark at this point. Uh, Robert says, not happy with the coaching staff, but really what could Houston say in his pressers? He has to be measured. I mean, yeah, he is the head coach. Look, Biff Pogge, I, I, there's a lot of people that have told me, you know, I wish Mike Houston would be like Biff Pogge. For me, look, his stuff, if you're a Charlotte fan, I already saw some Charlotte fan quote tweet me, Bobby, and said, our head coach is more interested in creating content than winning games. So, like, you've got, you know, BCU fans are tired of Mike Houston standing at the podium saying, we need to be better, we need to execute better. They're probably already getting tired of Biff saying his stuff. So it's just, you just got to win, man. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You just got to win win football games. That's right. Winning cures all. And in Biff Pogge's scenario, like, Mike Houston doesn't have a billion dollars to fall back on That's if he true gets too. fired. Yeah. Biff <laughs> doesn't to, care. Right, right. Biff could get fired and then just go retire and, and go to the Bahamas or something and live out the rest of his life very happily. Mike Houston, not the case. I mean, he worked Division Two where you do not get paid. FCS, yeah. you don't really get paid. And then now he's been here at this level for five years. So uh, Mike Houston needs to keep be employed. Right. He's he, he doesn't have the Biff Pogi money. Not many people do. No. All right, let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll take a look around the American. We'll tell you what Tulsa is trying to do to get people to come to its riveting game against Rice. We'll tell you that on the other side. Look around the American in college football. This is Hoist the Colors on a Wednesday. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes! That was so good! 194.3, the game. All right, welcome back into the show. We got a few comments about Raheem Jeter and the true freshman quarterback. People want to see him start. Craig says there is no harm in starting him. The coaching staff obviously thinks that we have no – there is a harm in starting him. You got the worst pass protection in college football and the worst receiving grades in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. So why would you kill a kid's confidence when he's probably not ready as a true freshman six games in, Bobby? Yeah, there's 100% an issue with doing that. Um yeah, to your point, why just completely frighten him of college football? And frightens probably a strong word. I'm not saying that he's scared. I'm saying more so that mentally he's going to yeah. be all screwed up. He can kill I mean, his confidence. Exactly. Um, to me, if you want to talk about Raheem Jeter and talk about playing him, the only time you play him right now, in my opinion, is if the season is lost, that Tulsa game, that last game of the season, let him get a taste of some live right. action. Outside of that, there is no re- – I mean, you see it all the time in the NFL with all these rookie quarterbacks getting thrown in. 
the Packers, I mean, look at Jordan Love. He's not looked like a world beater by any means, but a lot better than what everybody else thought yeah. being being on the bench for three years. If you're one and nine, one and ten, and you're going to that last game with absolutely really nothing to play for at that point, I'm all for it. And I don't even think it's a you know, redshirt him is cool, but it's more just you want to develop him the proper way. Um and so to me I just don't think that's the answer right now. All right, let's get into uh, the American and Brett McMurphy. The American slate leaves a lot to be desired this week. Rice and Tulsa play on Thursday night. That will be an interesting game. Not really. SMU goes to Temple on Friday. Air Force is at Navy. Memphis at UAB. Decent game. Charlotte at ECU. We've talked about that. North Texas at Tulane. That's not moving the needle. USF at UConn. That's not moving the needle. UTSA at FAU. That's probably bit. the most the needle has moved yeah, on this list. Two and O teams in the American. And but, uh, Michael Jones, my FAU pick, is looking better by the week. There you just, go. just throwing it out there. FAU, they just crushed South Florida last week out of nowhere. But we're talking about this because Brevin Murphy tweeted out today that Tulsa will attempt to set the Guinness World Record for the world's largest beer beer tasting event before the Thursday game against Rice. Each participant is required to taste three beers as they are guided by a certified, I don't know what that word means, I assume some sort of Guinness World Book of Record record keeper. Uh, Current record is only 1,243 people in Barcelona, Spain in July 2022. I think they're going to smash this record. I mean, it seems pretty attainable, and I don't know why ECU hasn't done this first, but I guess when when you're Tulsa and you're hosting Rice, you got to find any way to get fans to the stands. And don't put it past ECU to try to break Tulsa's record that Thanksgiving Saturday against when we Tulsa? play against Tulsa. Yeah, to get fans there when two below-average teams are playing. We all know Pirate fans, and if you want Pirate fans to show up, have some sort of uh, beer competition, and they'll be there. Yeah. And uh, I think for sure that's a, a – I think you got to turn that around and give it a, a give it a try if you're ECU – and if you're Tulsa and you're attempting to break this record and you fall short, then I have lost all respect for Tulsa because I'm sure nobody else has really even tried to do this record. Like, this is such an obscure, random record. Does Tulsa even have enough fans to break this record? You know, I picked on Rice a lot for the lack of fans while I was there. Have you played a game in Tulsa? Yeah, it's very, it's, uh, very quiet. You know who almost. came to see us at Tulsa is John Jacobs. He oh, yeah. uh, was out there in Oklahoma and came over to visit. Uh, when Johnny we were out No there. Reps Jacobs. That's right. Johnny No Reps. He was uh, he, he self-proclaimed five-star quarterback, according to Bleacher Report or something like that. And talk about an interesting character. Uh, that was him to a T. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. Now, that was a miss by Lincoln Riley, I'm afraid. Uh, there were a lot missed. of misses by him. He's not missing anymore, but uh, I think he learned his lesson with some of the guys that uh, we had brought in. It happens to the best. Well, Bobby, this has been fun. Uh, we still got people calling for Raheem Jeter. They said you have to find out. Charlotte would be a good game. I mean, if you were going to do it, I guess Charlotte would be a good game. But Charlotte's actually got a pretty good defense, too. So, Which is why I, I think Tulsa. Um, I get what he's saying with Charlotte, yeah. but I, I think Tulsa. I do before we head off. Yeah. Uh, Berg Pirate, I saw your post. Yeah. Uh, wherever you're at, man, I don't know if you can listen, but thank you for your service. It's much appreciated. Um, hope you're safe over there. Look forward to uh, reading all your questions when you return. But, again, thanks for your service. Thinking of you, praying for you. Best of luck to you over there. 
He is referencing Berg Pirate on the Hoist Colors message board. Said he had to take a break for everything that's going on due to his service. So definitely best of luck to him. Bobby, appreciate the time today. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Yep, appreciate it. All right, Thursday we'll have a recap of Basketball Media Day. We've got that going on in the morning. We'll be over doing our show live right after that. So we'll talk to you then with a bunch of updates there. See you tomorrow. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 the Game.